Hey everyone, this is Jazz's editor Brian Zimmerman here to introduce a very special episode of Jazz's Not What You Think. This week's episode features multi-Grammy winner Mickey Hart, one of the percussionists of the Grateful Dead. Now, while Mickey may be best known as one of the Grateful Dead's drummers, he's also an accomplished writer, musicologist, painter, and world traveler. A true original armed with an inventor's audacious curiosity, Hart views his musical and scholarly work as a vehicle for breaking the rhythm code of the universe and investigating its deepest vibrations. Let's listen in as he joins Jazz's publisher Michael Fagan for a riveting discussion about his life in music and his deep-seated passion for exploring global sounds. Hi, this is Mickey Hart. You're listening to Jazz Is, not what you think. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So so one of the things that I read that you said once, which really struck a chord with me, was the best way to understand a culture is through their music. And you've shown that through That's the correct. years. Tell me, tell me, tell me your philosophy behind that and what you've experienced and how you bring that to your music. Well, music contains all of the stories. I mean, uh, who we are, why we are, where we've been, where we're going. Uh, it's it's the talking book. Uh, that's why that's why music. It's the it's a kind of it's it tells it tells the story of us. And so if you learn if you learn people's music and you listen to them, you can find the hopes, the fears, the uh, um, the joys, uh, everything in its music. Um, as a matter of fact, I, w- I had given uh, multiple times to uh, uh, President Obama, I would go to the Oval Office and, and, and supply him with music the, for the countries that he was going to visit and suggested to him that he be listening to this music before he negotiated with other countries and, and other leaders. And I, I believe it served him well. Uh, and so I would, you know, I'm on the board of the Smithsonian Folkways. So I would load them up with, you know, 20, 30 CDs from the world of the world's music. So he would be able to have an insight kind of into the culture and what they really were about. Uh, that's the only way you could really find out, not unless you live with them. But you have to listen to the music because music is an expression of the soul, of the uh, uh, of the will to live, to die, to be happy, be sad. It's all in the music. So that music is not just to dance to and listen to. Music holds all of it, all of it, uh, you know, all of the uh, adventures, you know, the failures, the successes, everything. Wow. And, and, you know, you mentioned President Obama, but, you know, I've read articles about you where it's not just presidents, it's religious leaders, it's uh, researchers in science, uh, ethnomusicologists, you know, it seems like they come to you and say, help us understand a culture through music. Well, sometimes, or I go to them, you know, uh, <clears throat> sometimes it comes to me like the Yuta Tantric Choir from Tibet. That was a gift. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I had studied it and I knew about it. I listened to Houston Smith's recordings from the 60s, first recording, first human ear 
to ever hear the tantric choir, which each one of them uh, has the ability to sing three notes simultaneously, each larynx as that. So I thought that was astounding. So I sought them out and wow. it became a treasure, you know, musical treasure for me and for many people who have, have uh, understood the, you know, understood what they were doing. They were, <clears throat> they were creating a perfect universe actually uh, in sound, emptying their bodies of all, uh, all thoughts and recreating sort of a mandala in sound. And the, the, they, that was one one that just happens, you know, just to, to knock on my door. But others you have to go after. You have to go wow. out in the field or you, if you want to find new and the good and even the old, you have to search for it. You, know, yeah. you have to go into the archives uh, or you have to go now into, you know, into websites uh, <clears throat> that, you know, feature uh, important music, music that is meaning uh, not just you know, la la la, yeah yeah yeah, which is good. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to do la yeah yeah, but there are other musics that uh, inform, you know, inform the um, inform you of inform the soul. If I mean, I don't know, even if there is a soul, we there's no PO box to the soul. Right. Uh, but you know that you know that um, that it gets to you, and there's meaning, there's emotional content. Whenever there's emotional content, you learn, and you, and you move into that, and you know you, your ears stretch. It's the extended ear, the stretched, well-stretched ear, that searches for things, and like the Chinese orchestra mm-hmm. that we used to have uh, opening for uh, Chinese New Year's at Grateful Dead shows. Uh, it took me about four years to be able to understand, really get inside of that music. Because it was so dissonant, it was, you know, tight har- uh, harmonics, you know, uh, many notes to a scale. It wasn't tempered scale as we know it. And so, my, you have to, you have to, you have to go after some of these things because they're just a little bit out of your comfort zone. But once you find them, the, the, you can't let them go. They're just precious, they're precious. Yeah, and 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 the sort of that you, you kind of wear two hats because I see you as a a, a student a student of, of of this kind of culture, but then you're also an ambassador of the culture. You're always a student. Anybody, everybody's a student. There are no masters. <laughs> you know, whoever says they're a master, I know what they mean. They're well versed and every you know, and they know a lot. But anybody who do, is that knows that they're a student. Because you can never, ever, really comprehend the world's music, the whole, the whole earth, the music of the whole earth. But now I'm into music of the cosmos, mm-hmm. and that's even more incredible. Because now I'm into the art of sonification, whereas I take uh, the signals, the ra- uh, um, radiation, the light from radio telescopes from around the world, and change their form from light into sound. And then like, if you see the sun, you will hear the sun, Saturn, the moon. So I'm trying to bring the, what Pythagoras called the music of the spheres into, um, into our lexicon and into uh, the idea that the whole universe is a musical instrument. We're part of it. We're embedded in it. We're vibratory animals. The universe Mm -hmm. is a vibratory universe. And 
that's music. I mean, you know, from the Big Bang 13.8 billion years ago to the atom, to think of life. Yeah. That's a great voyage. You know, that's uh, a matter of fact, that's what I'm doing at the uh, Museum of Natural History, the um, the Hayden Planetarium and in April, April 13th and 14th, I'll be uh, at the uh, at the Hayden doing that very thing. Wow. Taking you from the Big Bang to the brain. I mean, to the atom. Uh, in 30 minutes, hopefully safely, <laughs> and bring you back alive. Uh, and great. so you'll be able to take take a ride with me sonically, visually and sonically, uh, from the beginning of time, beat one, to uh, us now, here, uh, you know. And then so that's my uh, my uh, that's my love now is to find finding out. The uh, and exploring more, more like the uh, the, um, the universe. Wow. You know uh, what the universe sounds like, and how where we are, how we are, why we are, our place in the universe, and all of the above. You can explain it vibratorily and rhythm. That's how it all works. If you look at it in rhythm, with the kind of what we call rhythmize. Mm -hmm. If you look at it in sense of rhythm, you can explain everything. Because everything is vibr the uh, is rhythm. Vibration is the is an essential of life. And it's one of the basics of life. Water, uh, vibration. If it doesn't vibrate, it's dead, inanimate. Uh, so, and we are we are moving, and we are alive, and the universe is moving, and it is alive. So, trying to find our place in the universe, you have to understand the sounds of the universe, the music of the universe. And of course, most of it, the light is above our, you know, much, much of it is above and below, mostly mm -hmm. above in light, in, in, in uh, light, in light mm -hmm. terms. And so, uh, but sonically, a lot of it is below, even above our limited range of hearing and seeing and sight. So we use computers, powerful computers, to bring all of this information into our spectrum, whether it be visual or, or, or sonic. And that's, that's really interesting for me. And so I've been in it for a few years now, about four or five years. Uh, but now it's getting, it's getting closer and closer to, um, to realizing the universe. Wow. That's uh, well, you know, I, I, I've always been fascinated with that myself. In fact, one of, one of your recordings that fascinated me, uh, that you did with, uh, Frederick Lieberman was the music to be born by with the heartbeat. And, the, uh, a scientific concept that I've always, you know, prescribed to and, 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 and try to think about, and that is there's this concept that ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny. And without all the googly gop, I can tell you what that means is, is that when you watch a, the conception of a fetus to a, 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 a baby being born, uh, it somehow mirrors the uh, evolution. And and you, you seem to kind of capture that moment in that music to be born by, which I thought was a very fascinating, getting us to have a, 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 an intimate understanding um, of, of, of what it means to create life. 
That's right. It was originally meant to facilitate in the birthing process. That's what I originally, I didn't make it for a CD or anything. I was, it, it was a cassette actually yep. at first uh, for um, my wife to be able to uh, focus and concentrate on the business of, of birthing and mm. outside of the uh, antiseptic world of the hospital and so forth. So as she was in labor, she was listening to the sonification actually of, um, of, of my son, you know, the fetal heartbeat. And so that was music to be born by, I thought. And so, and then it was picked up by a lot of, you know, Lamas all over yeah. the world. They, um, they started using it and we made a CD out of it. So that was, um, yeah, that was a very interesting project that kind of launched me, uh, into that world. Yeah. So I'm going to switch gears and talk about the new record because what caught my attention first was the title because I actually I didn't know the acronym you were using as an instrument. I I knew Ramu as as a river in in Papua New Guinea. Um that it is, had It is yeah. a, very good. It is a river in New Guinea. Yes. And 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 but the, it's not. Oh, but it, but the interesting thing about it, where I thought it related to your music, it, it sort of reminded me of kind of a Steely Dan lyric, where I had one interpretation and then I realized I was wrong. Um, but it, you know, the the thing that's really interesting about the river is that the river actually provided these tributaries um, that allowed people to survive, and it created kind of the earliest form of what we now consider a network. Um, and in fact, there's yeah. a there's a great book by yeah. written by by a Joshua Cooper Ramo or R A M O uh, called the the Seventh Sense, and he talks about these rivers in China, how they became the early networks of society. So, and then of course when I when I got the album and I listened to it, and I said, wait a second, this is a this is a technology that you've created, stands for which I'll let our audience know, Random Access Music Musical Universe, and it's a synthesizer that you created with your own database of music samples over the last 50 years. That's right. That's right. Ramu, uh, Random Access Musical Universe, my sound droid. It's my, it's my instrument. Uh, it's my love. <laughs> it's my home. Yeah, it's all of the, it's many of the sounds that I've uh, come across in the last 50 years. And it's a performance instrument where I, you know, I could do live performance, you know, improvisation. And also it contains loops. It has, it's space, it has, you know, sonifications from the universe, it has uh, all kinds of sounds and, uh, and the ability to process them at will, live. So, you know, that database serves me well, and I play it in the Grateful Dead, or Dead Co. now, yeah. and uh, in all of the, uh, my other my uh, musical enthusiasm. So it's not just the name of a record, it's the name of my instrument. But yes, it is a river and all of that. And it does have the same kind of meaning because it is like a tributary to everywhere, yeah. uh, to any place. And it's so sonically, it's majestic. Um, yeah, and, I, and I'm working on it today. I, I work on it almost every day. Wow. It's, uh, it's one of the, it's, it's, it's become a habit to me, Mike. Uh, uh, Michael, it's really become a habit. I have to admit that I'm totally strung out on Ramu. Well, uh, uh, the one the one thing I, I I see that you do that is important, and I guess the more I read about you, the more it makes sense. Is a lot of people would take a technology, a synthesizer, uh, 
you know, your random access musical universe and, you know, kind of like when MIDI, M-I-D-I came out in the, in the early eighties and it, it, it kind of loses its heart where no pun intended, but it, in your case, you know, you've, you've maintained a very musical, you know, approach to this and more importantly, probably as far as consumer acceptance and, and listening to this music because they were turned on to it when they listened to it, the music is very today. Well, it, the music that I pull from mostly comes from acoustic sources, so it's not synthesis. I might process it using, you know, processors, powerful processors, but I'm not really into, you know, I don't really use synthesizers. And that's one of the reasons that people could connect with it. Uh, so it's more like perco- processed percussion uh, mm-hmm. or melodic percussion. Uh, and, you know, using Ramu, you can make scales out of any drum or you can do it. You could be a, you can be a storm out at sea. You could be um, anything, anything that I've recorded or I can imagine that I have recorded uh, personally going around the world. Or, you know, pulling it out of the ether uh, and making it myself. And there's combinations of unborn uh, sounds. You can combine these sounds in so many ways. So it's limitless. There's no end to Ramu. Uh, And I never reached an end, ever. Any, you know, it's always, it's ongoing. Uh, So the end is not important. It's really the journey and the ability to be able to... uh, Across uh, these boundaries, uh, and and enjoy the worlds and the and universal music as well. So, th- this is kind of where I'm going now. Not just music of the whole earth, uh, music of the universe, of the cosmos, mm-hmm. of the galaxies, and uh, like I said before, you know, having the sounds of the Big Bang, or at least the cosmic background radiation, as we say. That's uh, that's the furthest we've been able to go back, uh, that's 400,000 years this side of the Big Bang. Right. So it's, it's kind of the echo, the uh, remnants of after inflation, which is <laughs> what happened right after the Big Bang. And they created this thing called cosmic background radiation, which is, you know, is the beginning of our, the furthest we've been able to see back there. And so it, it's fascinating if you can see the whole, the whole spectrum from the beginning of time and space to now here, your own cells, your DNA, your, um, your stem cells, your heart rhythms, your brain rhythms, all of these are, I've sonified. I've taken the electrical signals or whatever form they, uh, I I collect them and and I turn them into sound. And then it, you're able to pin the tail on the donkey kind of, you know what I mean? You're Mm -hmm. able to hear what you see. And see what you know, and see what you hear. It's it, it's uh, it's it's wonderful. It's it, it's really. Uh, I just kind of backed into it, but um, I met George Smoot, who was one of the the uh, uh, who won the Nobel actually in sure. 2006, I think it was, for his work with the cosmic background radiation. Yeah. And that kind of working with astrophysicists kind of led me into that into this world. Just like Fred Lieberman, you mentioned, he was my teacher mentor, great friend, and he took me into the world of ethnomusicology, and I met all of the uh, purveyors, all the experts, and they became my friends, and then we had a mission to go after 
the origins of percussion, the, the spiritual uh, quest for uh, knowledge to, to be able to understand why we drum, why we make rhythm, where did the uh, brotherhood and sisterhood of drummers, rhythmists come from? So I, I always align myself with the best, mm-hmm. you know, in the field, and I'm 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 always a student. You know, I love being a student, master, and. Eh. That is not as much fun as being a student. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that's for other people to call you a master. You exactly. Uh, well, you're very, you're very humble. Hey, guys. Brian again. Just wanted to jump in here real quick to thank some of the sponsors that make today's podcast episode possible. This podcast is supported by the 2019 St. Lucia Jazz Festival, produced in collaboration with Jazz at Lincoln Center. That fest is taking place May 4th through May 12th on St. Lucia, one of the most beautiful islands in the Caribbean. Distinct experiences include a gospel jazz brunch on Mother's Day, jazz cruises under the stars, one-of-a-kind collaborations, including performances by superstar vocalist Ladisi and jazz heavyweights Gregory Porter and Christian McBride, Concerts in waterfront venues, open-air performances with St. Lucia's landscape as a stunning backdrop, and much more. Tickets and hotel packages are on sale now. Visit stlucia.org to learn more. Another thank you to the 2019 Norfolk Waterfront Jazz Festival in downtown Norfolk, Virginia, which is celebrating its 37th year. The fest is set for August 23rd through 24th. That's the perfect time to chill to the legendary sounds of top national smooth jazz and R&B recording artists. To check out the artist lineup, head on over to our website and click that Norfolk Waterfront Jazz Fest banner. Another thank you to the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark. Coming up for them on April 12th, a performance by Trilogy, the acclaimed trio featuring keyboardist Chick Corea, bassist Christian McBride, and drum master Brian Blade. Pianist Joey Alexander opens as a special guest for this set. Buy tickets at njpac.org. That's njpac.org. We'd also like to thank Smoke Sessions Records, who later this year will be releasing a new album from legendary vocalist Mary Stallings. It's called Songs Were Made to Sing, and it's due out May 17th. On it, the incomparable vocalist has crafted an exquisite collection of classic songs to reflect on a life well and passionately lived. For more on this and all other Smoke Sessions releases, visit the label's website at smokesessionsrecords.com. Another big thanks to Blue Note Records. Exciting news for them. They've just signed a new vibraphone player named Joel Ross to their roster, and his debut for the label is slated for May 3rd. The album is called Kingmaker, and with it, Ross adds his name to an illustrious jazz vibraphone legacy on the legendary label that extends from Milt Jackson to Bobby Hutcherson to Stefan Harris, and now to Ross. Thanks also to Deezer, an online music streaming service that offers over 53 million tracks and over 100 million playlists. Deezer lets you discover artists you'll love with personalized recommendations from the Deezer editors. It's available in more than 180 countries and has over 14 million users and counting. We regularly post playlists to this platform. Our latest features young artists from the UK who are reinvigorating the jazz scene. To hear it, visit Deezer.com and Google Jazz Is. 
And finally, we'd like to thank the Adrian Arsh Center for the Performing Arts here in Miami. Coming up for them as part of the Jazz Roots series, Sergio Mendez with From Brazil with Love. The three-time Grammy Award-winning producer, composer, keyboardist, and vocalist returns to the Arsh Center for a great evening of bossa nova and samba. That concert is taking place April 12th at 8 p.m. Tickets available at arshtcenter.org. All right, that's it for me. Let's get back into the conversation between jazz's publisher Michael Fagan and Grateful Dead percussionist Mickey Hart. The projects that I've listened to of yours, you know, over the last 30 years, um, you know, it's been, you know, some people might call it world music, ambient, um, you know, new age, there's space no age. Thing, uh, Michael, <laughs> there's no such thing as world music, by the way. Yes, uh, I, 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 I agree. Even though I won the Grammy, the, the first world music uh, a, a Grammy in 1991, yeah. uh, I, I called up the guy who runs Naros. I said, hey, thanks for the Grammy, but there is no such thing as world music. Right. It's is the it, world's music. Yeah, isn't it all if world you're music? In the, if, you're in, if you're in the Philippines, uh, if you listen to bluegrass music, that would be world music. It's <laughs> yeah. where there is, where is there, you know? Yeah. Uh, and... So yeah, there is no world music. There's no one world music, and there is and music is is a universal for sure. But not all musics can play together. So it's not a universal language, as people say. Oh, it's a universal language. Yes, yes, and no. Right. There are places where the music can't mix because the people are stuck in their uh, in their own music too too deeply to be able to move out and to uh, compromise or to be able to mix musics. Uh, so. Yeah, I, whenever I hear the word word world music, I, it kind of <laughs> it's a misnomer. It right. really isn't. Right. It's kind of it's yeah. kind of like the uh, the jazz guys when they get lumped into smooth jazz, they go, oh, "Not that's not what I do." <laughs> but um, but you yeah, know, the... right? Well, <laughs> well, you know, there's you know, there's the acoustic music, indigenous music. That's you more you can kind of make the case that that's world music, but no, it's not. It's indigenous music. From yeah. different parts of the world, yeah. So there is no one world music, you know. So yeah. world music, I don't know. Yeah, the but you know, the, one of the things that I think you have really championed uh, from as a listener, uh, I've I've noticed this, and I've listened to a lot of field recordings, but you seem to have mastered the way to make field recordings not only sound good because your your albums always sound good, but to make them more musical, more interesting. Well, I've always seen, you know, indigenous music in the old days, uh, you couldn't even give it away. It was fourth rate, third, fifth rate, sixth rate. I mean, people didn't recognize the musics of the people as real music. It was all mostly popular jazz or big band or here in the West or Dixieland or whatever. But once you got into, you know, the folk music of America or any place, you couldn't even give it away. So mm-hmm. my objective back in the old days was to, if I did go out in the field to record, I would record it on my Nagra back then, stereo Nagra at, at 15 inches per second, 15 ips, mm-hmm. uh, which nobody ever ran at 15 ips, it was seven and a half ips because 15 ips took a lot of tape and, you know, <laughs> and right. it, it was really marginalized. But I always thought, when I made all those records, all those CDs, well, first they first they were cassettes, then we tapes, magnetic tapes, and then we turned them into uh, 
and some CDs. But I always wanted to present them like I would be making a Grateful Dead record, like it would sell a million copies. Of mm-hmm. course, I knew it wouldn't, but they deserved it. And that's what elevated what you, the world's music to a whole other level of appreciation that people can now view the world's music uh, you know, as, a, as a, a, a legitimate player in the world of music, mm-hmm. as opposed to some you know, lesser musics. And, you know, the liner notes were superb. Um, I have yeah. 20, uh, 29 of them at the uh, Smithsonian Folkways now. And, and you, know, you know, I always was, you know, I went to great lengths to bring, try to bring these musics into the, into the, uh, into the world of the Western world, presenting them as first rate. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that was, uh, well, it was, it was notable. In fact, the, the artwork was always exquisite. Um, and, oh, and yeah. I've always enjoyed that, especially some of the theme covers you did it looked like sort of colored woodcuts. They were just, they were just beautiful pieces of art. I, I, I would imagine you got a lot of requests to make them into posters and they were just a really yeah. beautiful package. Well, it was about repatriation really, Michael. I mean, a lot of these musics were ripped out of the cultures by wars, by the church, you know, all of these musics, most of these musics were, you know, some of them don't exist. So giving a country back their music, wow, that was, that's big, you know, I mean, when I travel around the world, I'm so proud when, you know, an ethnic music college or someone from another country uh, presents me with the work that I had done and said, this is one of our great treasures now wow. that, you know, wow, that really, that really is, it's worth everything. And so, you know, there's a lot of reasons that took me out into the field all those years. Wow. That's great. So, so the new album on Ver forecast, by the way, uh, full disclosure, my old, my old stomping ground, I used to be in the verve group. Um, and, uh, very interesting project for Verve because it 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 has a lot of the Mickey Hart we'd expect, and then as I was saying before, it's very current. You know, you use uh, David Portner, some people know as uh, Avitari, and Tank from uh, uh, I forget her, her Tank and the Bangus. Uh, it Bangles, keeps it yeah, yeah Bangus, Bangus, yeah. It keeps it keeps Bangles. it very Bangas. GAS yeah. yeah keeps it keep, keeps it very fresh very current um but you it doesn't right. take away from what you've been doing all along well that's my daughter my daughter's 24 and she's my ears into the popular music and to a lot of the music that I wouldn't necessarily be keying into so I follow her lead uh, I wanted to reach the music uh, the ears of you know the young folks who you know have, haven't really been turned on to all of these things but at the bottom of all of it is the pythagorean monochord which mm-hmm. we call the beam mm-hmm. uh, so that's a uh, you know all that bass you hear is not a bass guitar it's all done by the the monochord uh, using uh, powerful uh, processors uh, and so uh, that's another interesting part of ramu the cd uh, it, it, the basis of it comes from Pythagoras, uh, my, my man, Pythagoras. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, 
he gave me, you know, he was about 515, 520 BC. He was the philosopher, mathematician who kind of uh, created the tempered scale, discovered the tempered scale, and gave musical notation to all of the uh, revolving orbs, orbits, you know, of the planets and the sun and all that stuff. So he, he called it music, uh, music of the spheres. He claimed that he could hear the sonorities of the heavens. Of course, he couldn't. There's no ear can hear it, but perhaps it was mystical flight. We don't know, but he was right. So, you know, he, and he did it all with one long vibrating string. <laughs> he was able to, he was able to half the string and he found the octave, then the fifth, the seventh, the third, and hence the uh, tempered scale, the father of the science of music. Now, I was just talking to someone yesterday and they asked me who I would like, who would be my favorite dinner guest. He would be right up there. I would, I would invite Pythagoras. Uh, <laughs> here. I would love Einstein, Pythagoras, yeah. Einstein, all of all my faves, you know, and I told this person yesterday, he cracked up, but I, I truly believe that the ancients, they figured it out. They figured out the whole universe before, you know, in 500 BC. Yeah. Uh, and oh, now yeah. we know that it's, it's perfectly correct, you know, with Einstein's uh, calculations uh, and so forth and so on. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so that's the beam. That's the ma that's the monochord. That's the base of operations for me. I, I, I all, everything springs from the monochord. You know, there was a that's 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 incredible. The the uh, I read this book by a guy named Stephen Johnson uh, called Wonderland, and one of the things he talked about in the book was when they went back, you know to primitive man and they were able to f dig up uh, uh, basically remnants from back then, artifacts, they found that there was the flute and they found the flutes made out of bone. And when I read That's that right. out- Single, single, single hole flutes. Uh, uh, they, they are the probably, they're the uh, oldest known instruments, artifacts we've ever found going back to 150 BC, 150,000 uh, BC. Yeah. over 100,000 years, 50,000 years. Because drums are, are, are basically a newer instrument. They, the membranophones, um, they were part of the Paleolithic, part of the mother goddess cultures of, uh, of uh, old Europe, ancient Europe. And so <laughs> membranophones didn't come in 5,000 BC, you know. They, they're <laughs> relatively young, but, this, but bone doesn't disintegrate. And uh, it, it, it lasts. So we've been making music, dancing our dances, singing our songs. Uh, that's what made us human. And that's what brought us together as groupists, you know, as uh, a clans, as family. Uh, the music was the, the, the thing that bound us together and made it safe and also created language and everything else. So, yeah, music is really important in many ways. It made us human. Yeah, and I wonder if, if music had more impact than people generally think of. Like, for example, if you have a, let's say, a flute back a thousand, hundreds of thousands of years ago that maybe was a mating call that might attract a, a mate. That's absolutely you know? right. Remember... And Remember, music is a, f a fertility right. It's it's that's what music really does. It involves people in life. That's the prime me uh, reason for music. And yes, it did. You know, to propagate was the most important thing. Right. Uh, so you bet. 
You bet. Absolutely. And, and totally. I, um, and totally. and I, I wonder, Mickey, if we're more music minded through a natural selection process through evolution where they attracted someone who was interested and receptive to music to mate with and propagate. Well, absolutely. It brought people together in life. That means more babies. That means survival of the, uh, of the species. That's the primary goal is to, you know, to make more. Yeah. And, you know, and especially when you, when you were in the cave dwellers and, um, so it happened in the old temple caves and so forth, uh, with the banging on the stalactites and stalagmites to gather around a sonic symbol, sound yeah. symbol. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's what that, that that's what that's what made us um, the tribes made us uh, like I say allowed us to be human. Yeah. So so let's let's get even more primitive. Let's talk about current day politics. There, <laughs> there, there seems to be an underlying message, especially in, in one of the songs on the new record, uh, that takes a jab at, at let's say, Trump. Um, we just did a, a roundtable, one of my editors in New York, with Terry Lynn Carrington and Vijay Iger and uh, Ter uh, Terrence Blanchard and a bunch of other great jazz artists and talked about what it means today in this political climate to be an artist and in the music business. Um, What's your take on that? Well, I think that's really, this is a very uh, fertile time. I mean, uh, you can say anything in music. To me, the, you know, the, Ramu was, <clears throat> I wanted to talk about the political climate. And see, it, it's about rhythm. We're really out of rhythm. Uh, the, the politics of today, it, it doesn't really resonate with the people so much. You know, there's just favorites here or favorites there. And so music is a way of screaming or, uh, you know, of fighting or uh, shedding light on certain, uh, you know, on certain political uh, situations. And so that's what this this one uh, did. I mean, I, I I tried to bring a political side into this, into uh, into Rama, which I don't normally do. Mm -hmm. But since things are becoming so volatile and so drastic and so dirty and horrible and people don't understand. So I wanted to shed a little light on the political uh, side of, of, of the street. So to, so to speak, uh, that's why I included Charles Lloyd. Uh -huh. Yeah. You know, and I, on the same track, there was a Lomax recording of, uh, as well from the, from the thirties. So uh -huh. I was trying to make combinations that were very unusual. Here we have, uh, you know, one of our great sax, uh, saxophone players, uh, and um, and there's um, you know, and there's um, Lomax recording from from Florida uh, yeah. in the, from the 30s, and I thought it worked really well. Yeah, it did. It did. Okay, so so last thing I wanted to ask you about is the glass brain. Um, we touched on it a little bit uh, today, but. You're fascinated with the brain, and and I'm fascinated with the brain because there's that, I, I can't remember who said it, but if if the brain was easy to understand, then we couldn't. And right. Well, the brain is the master clock. It controls everything. Uh, the brain tells us everything what to do, whether it be sonic, you know, visual, uh, 
And so, you know, understanding the brain is really important and to be able to appreciate the brain and be able to find, use the brain as for diagnostics and not just music. I use it for both. I work with Dr. Adam Ghazali at UCSF and he has taken me into the brain, whereas I've had my MRI taken of the brain and I take these sound waves, these brain waves, and again, make music with them, trying to connect with the brain. And uh, now we're being able to do it in real time. We're going to attempt to do that at the Museum of Natural History, uh, uh, where I wear uh, a cap with 32 uh, uh, electrodes and, and try to uh, you know, see and have an interaction in real time with the brain and understanding what the brain looks like before, during, and after an auditory driving experience because we know that we can reconnect and, and it, you know, a lot of these broken channels, you know, for dementias, Parkinson's, uh, Alzheimer's, so forth and so on by the use of vibrations carefully, carefully used. And so, you know, music is medicine mm -hmm. is what I'm really after. You know, it's, this, this is kind of like a digital medicine. Mm -hmm. kind of thing uh that we what we're trying to to find out what the brain does what stem cells look like that are damaged as opposed to healthy um uh, not not just brain but stem cells the dna and heart rhythms these are really important health rhythms uh, and we're trying to find out what causes is there more or less vibration and damaged cells as opposed to healthy cells and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not just music, which is really cool. I mean, sonifying brain waves, electrical signals, and being able to hear your brain, that's glass brain. So Adam created this, um, Adam created this uh, glass brain where you're able to fly through my brain. <laughs> seeing my brain in this particular case in a resting state. But we're now we're doing it in real time. Hopefully we'll be able to pull it off by, by the, uh, by the, uh, by the, uh, by the Hayden planetarium time. And, and so I'd be able to influence my brainwave by seeing them and following them uh, and being able to trip certain parts of the brain to do certain things, to make certain rhythms, uh, that affect different kinds of disease. That's what it's for. Wow. Uh, besides it, isn't it? Besides it, be, you know, it's not so much entertainment, but a search for the uh, for the clues, you know, that lead us into, you know, things that are out of rhythm. The disease. When you're healthy, that's good rhythm. Right. When you when you have disease, that's bad rhythm. It's you you've fallen out of rhythm. That's an arrhythmic uh, situation. So I'm investigating the cosmos, I'm mm -hmm. investigating the brain and the heart and the stem cells, DNA and all that to find out what's really going on, Alfie, you know, what's really, <laughs> what really, how it really informs us of what is going on in us, in our body. That is the chase. That really interests me. And you can make music out of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can sonify anything. I've sonified photosynthesis. That I've taken the photosynthesis process and also uh, sonified it and made sound and music out of it. Uh, and a, a lot of other things. And this is the only way to really understand anything.
Wow. Well, you know, I, I read somewhere you said something very wise, and that is the more, and I, I'll paraphrase, the more we realize how much we don't understand, the more we understand who and where we are. Yeah. Uh, well said. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. You have to know where you are and why you are and where you're at, where you're going, all that, and be able to be uh, healthy, you know, and happy. And that's what this whole thing is all about, you know, to be healthy and happy, have a good life and understand why you have a good life and be able to keep the rhythms correct, you know, keep them working right. Like if you have a fight with someone or a disagreement with your wife or your husband or something, that's an arrhythmic event. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're out of rhythm. Uh, if a disease, you're out of rhythm. Uh, mm -hmm. How do you put it back into rhythm? Well, you've got to correct the rhythm. Uh, you change the conversation. Uh, and so all the stuff I'm doing really points to that. You know, that I'm trying to find the code. You know, try to break the code, and, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm chipping away at it. You know, wow. it's it, and here and there and here and there, but it's getting, I'm getting closer and closer. Well, I, I certainly hope you crack the code, and I, I also want to say it was absolute pleasure to talk to you. Uh, learned a lot. I hope our Michael, listeners learn a lot too. Michael, you asked some good questions, and I gave you some good answers. <laughs> I, I think you did. All right. Well, thank you okay, again. Man.